Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Where will Eric Bledsoe get traded? How damn good is Giannis? Why, oh why, did we sleep so hard on the Grizzlies? The only question left is, say it with me, you in? Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast live show slash shindig. We got a weird error um, over uh, on the uh, Periscope, Well, maybe it actually went through. I'm going to check the Twitter right now to see, because... Uh, it's a very cool show. Dave and I are with you, and we're going to talk about some of the games, what's going on in the NBA tonight. And also, you can come in the show and ask us uh, questions live. Um, so either via, um, you know, if you're watching the show on Periscope, you can just watch it, or you can come in with a link and uh, join us. So, Dave, what's happening, my man? Uh, not much. Just uh, taught myself how to be a plumber um, and was at the hair salon today. Aha. So the real question, though, is do you want to be here? Uh, here, yes. Phoenix? Okay. Uh, that's debatable. Aha. It sounds like it. And now I, that's a little bit of a reference, I suppose, to, uh, you know, what we're talking about. Uh, Eric Bledsoe and his tweet the other night. Uh, w- remind us all what it said. Uh, he just tweeted out, I don't want to be here. And uh, apparently his excuse when he talked to uh, Ryan McDonough, the the GM of the Phoenix Suns, was that he was at the hair salon with his girlfriend. And uh, yeah, right. Yeah, the team did not buy that um, as well. They shouldn't. And so the, the team sent him home uh, after shoot around. They, they basically said, you know what? We don't want you here, which, uh, you know, Look, Phoenix is not the San Antonio Spurs by a long shot. There is so much dysfunction. Like it's hard to fault Bledsoe for for not wanting to be there, right? Like, I, I mean, you and I are both for player empowerment and all this stuff. I actually wish players would go to social media more often when they want to trade or something like that instead of beating around the bush forever. Um, and yeah, uh, Bledsoe's on his way out. It's it's happening. You know, I would it, guess it's happening this week. Although you know, if you're Phoenix, I mean, he could just sit at home, and until you get the trade offer that you want, he's under contract for two more years. Well, this year and next. So uh, yeah, they've got time. Um, yeah. So what I was hearing was um, that they're talking about perhaps um, doing Brogdon for Bledsoe, um, a Milwaukee trade, and it also sounds like yeah, like McDonough said that he's simply not going to play again for them. So this isn't just about him on a tweet on a Sunday the other day, yesterday. This is actually – this is going on for a while now, right? They've been trying to trade him, and we've been hearing about this for a long time. So I, I don't blame Bledsoe, but uh, what do you think about the Brogdon possibility? What's to say with Brogdon for Bledsoe? Well, I think you, you and I might disagree on this. So I think – I mean, Bledsoe's a better player than Brogdon, uh, at least in a vacuum. Now, Brogdon may be a better fit next to Giannis. Um, 
I'm not I'm not sure how I feel about Bledsoe. I think just another guy next to Giannis is very intriguing to me. And and when this trade first popped up, I mean, I tweeted out, oh, man, uh, I would love to see him go to Milwaukee. But he needs the ball in his hands quite a bit to be very effective. But I, I love his point of attack defense when he's engaged. And, uh, you know, obviously the athleticism is there and the, the playmaking and scoring is there. I mean, he averaged 21, 5, and 6 last year until they shut him down. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Milwaukee is is kicking the tires, but I would bet Phoenix is going to want Thon Maker in return. Um, yeah, and that, I don't know. The, the Bucks should be very, very cool on that. Uh, the Knicks are apparently interested, uh, if you believe what people are saying, but they're not willing to give up Willie Hernan Gomez, who can't get off the bench, and Frank Nilakina, who, you know, looks to be at least, you know, two years away from being two years away. So, um, the Knicks are going to Nick. I don't know, man. I think I think there's going to be a bunch of teams. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if San Antonio kind of kicks the tires a little bit and see if they can get them for, you know, a bag of nickels. Uh, but, you know, when you see what DeJounte Murray's doing out there, maybe they're not going to be that interested. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. You, you got any fake trades for me? No, I, I only have real trades. Oh, I guess the question is, Bledsoe, uh, you know, what is his value? He is a... Um, good defender, right? We'll say he's a good defender. I, he's not elite. Are, can we say that? Bledsoe? Yeah, no? I mean, we just haven't seen it. And, and and it's hard to tell if he's still got it or not. Right, that's true. Uh, especially because he's been in this weird situation for so long now, like in Phoenix. Um, so he doesn't shoot three as well. Uh, he shoots them okay. I don't I don't know what he did last year, but I can pull it up. When you do, you'll see that it's not good. It isn't? And it really wasn't good before that. In one year. Oh, okay. So I looked it up because I thought yeah, for sure that he, you know, I think his career. Yeah. yeah. And he was 30%, maybe below 30 last year. So it wasn't good. And maybe it'll be a little bit better with a better team and better looks. But I don't see anything about his mechanics that indicates to me that he's like, he would be a really good shooter. Um, but I, I, he did get to 40, I think one year, uh, uh, maybe with the Clippers or something like that, but either way. So I don't think he's a particularly good shooter as of now. Um, he's not like a real facilitating ball, ball handler. So he's kind of more of a sort of a shooting guard, right? Uh, it's kind of, I'm kind of confused by him. Yeah. So the, the first thing that, that jumps to mind to me is that he, I think he'd be better with a better point guard. Um, he, he kind of is a combo guard to me who's miscast mm-hmm. a little bit as a point guard. And, um, you know, I think, I mean, the Lakers would have been an interesting idea, you know, uh, destination if if they didn't have KCP. Uh, Cleveland is an interesting destination if they could work something out there. But uh, beyond that Nets pick, I'm not sure what, what they have that Phoenix would be interested in. I mean, Shumpert, and a lot of people have been throwing out Shumpert and Fry and all this. But if you're if you're Phoenix, why would you take on old guys? I, it just doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, you know, c- c- there's a difference between cutting bait on a guy and trying to get some value for a talented player. And Bledsoe's a talented player, and they should be able to, to find some value somewhere. Yeah, he, he he's a talented player. There is some value there. So I, I hear you. Uh, it's just a question of, um, yeah, like what can they get? And I, I I just would be bummed out. I like I really like Brogdon. I like how he fits with Milwaukee. He is a really good shooter. He can run the offense well. So you, I would argue that you know he would be a better fit anyway. Uh, I'm not so sure that the defense from that position is so much better from Bledsoe that it makes it better all around. Because it feels like to me that uh, that's what they need with in Milwaukee is shooting around Giannis. 
Although, if you happen to see the video I did today on Giannis, since I dropped it at halftime of uh, the Bucks game, um, the thing that was really crazy for me, I don't know if you noticed this, Dave, without watching the Bucks games, but it's, they have a spacing issue. But it has nothing to do with the fact that they don't have shooters in the floor because you know what? They do. You know, between Brogdon and Middleton and, you know, even um, uh, Maker is knocking down a couple shots and, and then Snell is on fire. Uh, they have this shooting, but it's the way they're running their offense that is not giving them spacing. And it's, it's rare. I don't often see an NBA team struggle like that to actually have spacing because of the people, the way they're moving on the floor. Yeah. I know Kid likes to run a lot. He, he runs his horn stuff from the wing. And I think it's interesting if you're getting into some some get actions and some dribble handoffs and things like that. But um, I, I think I'm with you on that. The, when the guy, when the high post guy is is really close to the the wing three, um, it, it definitely can can create some issues. Which is why it's so amazing that Giannis is still getting into the basket through traffic mm-hmm. of his own team's making. It's it's yeah, it's insane. I can't believe what he's able to do. It right is. Now. Yeah, and, and they've actually been able to slip him passes uh, in amidst that as well to finish the rim, either with like a crazy lobs or way over everyone's head or, you know, a couple bounce passes here or there through the defense. So it's almost like in spite of what Jason Kidd is doing there, he's he is having like, you know, an MVP year. Like, I, here's my thing, because I think that the Bucks can be third in the, in the East. And then people have started to ask me on Twitter, well, who do you think is going to be second? Because I think that they're thinking that the Celtics are going to, you know, have a problem. And so, um, you know, that is an issue, but um, so I don't know because maybe they could be second. Maybe it's the Wizards. Maybe it's the the Raptors. Um, but we can actually interrupt this really quickly because we we have a thing where you can ask questions if you come to the link that we just posted in the uh, in the uh, Periscope. I'm not sure if you can click on links in a Periscope chat or not, but I put it up there. But we just had a question uh, and it disappeared. Can we get that question back up, Eric? Here it is. Uh, and Jerrianne asks. Uh, what's different from this year's Spurs offense versus last year's? And is Portland uh, uh, LMA truly back? Um, that's an interesting question. So if we could all see that on the screen, Dave, what do you have any uh, an answer to that question? Well, I, I don't. Um, I'll start with the uh, is Portland Lamarcus back? I, I wouldn't go that far. Um, it's uh, it remains to be seen whether he's going to keep up this sort of production. He's getting the touches right now. He looks aggressive. He looks like he's actually like strong, which is a, such a nebulous term to use for this. But, you know, last year in the playoffs, he was kind of shying away from contact. I mean, he even kind of got into it tonight with Ibaka, which I loved. And Pop was smiling at him when he was walking out of the court. Um, <laughs> and I, I love that uh, because I think Pop is just happy to see him fired up and passionate. And because uh, that's important, I think, for LaMarcus's game. When he's not when he's not involved in the offensive end, he has a tendency to sulk a little bit. So I think it's important that he's getting these touches. And uh, the idea, I think, is that the Spurs want to unlock a better version of that Portland version. They want them to be more efficient. They want them shooting more threes. And as part of that, there's the difference in the Spurs' offense this year. LaMarcus is going to shoot more threes. He's getting deeper touches in the post. So he's actually setting himself up better early in a in a possession to get these open buckets. And last year he was struggling to do that. Now, I'm curious to see how it works when Kawhi comes back because they sort of operate the same space especially when Gasol's on the court. They all like that one block and the high post. And, and so let's see if they can continue to make this work. With Gasol and Aldridge stepping out and shooting more threes, that should open things up. Everyone should be able to get their touches and get you know get to the basket. But if LaMarcus keeps running the floor as hard as he is 
this early in the season and getting those, I mean, just early, early seals really low. Um, they're going to, they're going to be tough, man. Um, they're looking good right now. Oh, I agree. And it's funny because LaMarcus has reminded, reminded us of how good he is in the post. I mean, he's probably the best low post scorer around now. I mean, Powell is a shell of himself and isn't getting those touches anymore. And, um, you know, I'm trying to think of the other guys who really go to work down there these days. Uh, and he, he's got to be it. And it's, especially when he turns over that right shoulder, which is sort of that weird thing for righties because it's kind of exposed the ball to the defense a little bit. But he just – that's such a high release. And he's such great touch from anywhere between 10 and 18 or 19 feet. Uh, that it's really hard to stop him. So he looks great. I, I do think it's going to be an issue when, when Kawhi comes back. I think that's going to be an adjustment period in and of itself. Um, which, by the way, did you see the footage of Kawhi Leonard going up the stairs to the uh, airplane a few days ago? I did. Um, and it really bummed me out because I want him to be healthy. Um, you know, my question is, is it the left quad or the right quad? Uh, you know, I, I now I don't know. I, I felt like it was the left quad, but are you, are you saying that he was favoring the right one when you it, saw the footage? Well, it almost looked like he was only stepping basically with the left quad. And so I'm right. trying to figure out because, you know, when you watch that, like he's he's only stepping up with the left quad. And if his left quad was injured, maybe he was just doing that as like, I don't know, a way to, uh, I don't know, strengthen the leg or something well, like that. It, well, if my left quad was hurting, then I wouldn't step up with it, right? Exactly. I would step to the right and then bring the left to, to the right. Yeah, and then so the right it must be the right, right, the, right, so. be the right leg. Yeah. It looked bad. I think the point we were trying to make here is it looked, it didn't look good. He looked like he didn't he couldn't use the damn leg at all. Yeah, and, and, and that's it, weird. It really bummed me yeah. out. It really bummed me out because, you know, Kawhi is a top five player in the league, and, you know, I just want him back on the court, and I want him healthy. Uh, and I know the Spurs are going to be very conservative with him. Maybe they're resting him early. Maybe they're front-loading the rest to, to, to keep him fresh. And then they can keep, you know, because tendinopathy is an overuse injury. So they could actually just go to the well when they want to rest him for a TNT game in late March. They could just say, oh, he's got to flare up in the leg. It's not what it looks like, man. Yeah, I know. We have another question coming in here. Remember, if you're part of our uh, shindig here, then you can ask questions with text or audio or video. If you want to jump in here and ask this question, you can be part of the darn show. And that'd be a major shout out for everybody. So uh, we have a question here um, from, I think this might be from Mike Zimmelman, who asks, um, with the Nuggets interest in Bledsoe, oh, poop, there it goes. We have to change the settings so that this question stay on a little bit longer. There you go. Do you think the Nuggets trading for Reed and Moutier for Bledsoe is a fair deal? For Reed and Moutier, I, I don't know. If they can get anything for, for those two guys, then then yes, the heck, and, you know, do that tomorrow, do that tonight, uh, right? I feel like Fareed and Moutier are sort of uh, persona non grata these days in the NBA. Uh, yeah, you know, Fareed only really fits in a couple of places, and surprisingly, Denver is actually one of them. Uh, and Moutier just hasn't really shown anything. So if somehow Denver was able to turn those two guys into, into – uh, Blood, so that'd be pretty amazing. I would assume they would also have to include Malik uh, Beasley and probably a pick. Yeah, uh, and and you know what? Maybe they'd be willing to do that. But um, 
you know, and then we, Mike also is telling us he was rushed to the plane from a rehab workout session, by the way. Uh, but, and if you're looking to jump in here and you're watching this on Periscope, if you check my timeline on Twitter, I just tweeted out the link to the shindig part of this where you can come in here. We've got a bunch of people who can all watch live the same way here and ask your questions uh, via tweeting. I'm sorry, but by via text, via audio or video. That could be exciting. We can actually talk to you. So before we go any further, though, I want to talk a little bit about one of our, fr our friends over at Harry's Razors. Because these guys, uh, Jeff and Andy, or I don't know if it, maybe it's Andy and Jeff, um, have created a company that really makes great razors. Now, I'm pretty sure, Dave, that you love their razors as well as much as I do, right? I, I do. I am. Um, I mean, look at how clean I keep my head here. You know, that's mm -hmm. all Harry's razors. It's a clean Not to head. Mention, you know, I see you're trying to join the beard gang. Um, I don't know what I'm is, trying to do. I wonder anymore. is is Harry's going to pull sponsorship if you grow a beard, or will they be pumped when you keep yours Ooh. nice and neat like mine with the Harry's razors? I got I got to admit, Dude. there's nothing better than using their aftershave balm when you've shaved with their razors because their razors are so sharp that I get such a nice yeah. shave, and you really feel the cooling effects of their aftershave balm. <laughs> You do. Yeah. My favorite part is the handle, though. The handle is just a really great balance and in the, in the shape of it. I swear. Like, it's just when you hold it and you feel and you do it, you realize how good it is. But even if I have a beard, I always sort of trim around here mm -hmm. and a little here and certainly the neck. So I'm going to need it and I need the balm, all that stuff yeah. anyway. So, um, you know, uh, that that is also huge. And, you know, the other thing with that is, is if you go to harrys.com slash coach Nick, they'll give you a free um, trial shave set, which has got a lot of stuff in there for you for free. And uh, you just have to cover the shipping. So you get like a $13 value uh, to get their free trial. And I guarantee you, once you get it, you're going to want to sign up and, and get them every month or however often you shave because these, and by the way, the razors are great. They last between, I think like, you know, six to eight shaves at a time before you have to replace them. Uh, maybe even longer, you know, for me, I might, I might go longer and they really do stay sharp. So um, Harry's is great. And I can't, uh, I can't, I really can't. They're, they're the friend of the breakdown and a friend of my face and a friend of your head. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. So uh, don't forget harrys.com slash coach Nick. You get a free trial set for uh, for free. And then you know, all you have to do is cover the shipping and uh, you will live a life of shaving fulfillment. Uh, so we now, it turns out it was not uh, Mike. This is from Tommy who was asking us, what is your guys' predictions for the Western Conference standings one through eight, please? He actually said, please, which is very nice of him to do. Um, you know, you want to go through, uh, I don't, do we have to even do one? Yeah. Um, I have Warriors, uh, Rockets, Spurs, Thunder, Blazers, Nuggets, and then seven eight is uh, Utah and uh, Minnesota in one way or the other. I mean, but you know, who knows? Okay. I mean, Memphis right. is three and zero right now. This is so, correct. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's that's a great uh, segue because we've been sleeping on Memphis to the x to the nth degree that it's it's actually I'm embarrassed at how much I did do that. And I don't know why I didn't sit down and really look at it for a second and take take it all in and realize you know Chandler Parsons is back um, and they're they're getting they, you know Marcus All. By the way, we didn't know this, but Marcus All is finally you know kind of playing like a guy who's who's be scoring 28 points a game. And it's and the key here is it's not that he uh, that he can't or he can do that. It's that he needs to play like he is that guy. He needs to play that aggressively. And even even tonight we saw it where, and they almost blew it, where 
They, uh, you know, he got he got um, Chalmer. No, uh, I'm sorry, Chalmer's not Steve. He got um, Eric Gordon on him down low in the post, up by four a minute to go or less. This ends the game here, and he looked to pass it immediately, and then throws it out, and they miss a three. Good, not a bad shot from three, but you got to take a Gasol shot from eight feet with uh, Gordon guarding him, then a Conley three from you know the wing. So those are the things that drive me nuts. But if he can ever get his head around that and play like he's a 28-point per game score, I don't know if people are going to beat Memphis very often. Um, yeah, well, you know, you and I talked about this a little bit right before the season started. The the Grizzlies played more minutes to non-shooters last year than any other team in the league by a lot. And uh, just, just by losing a lot of those guys, their offense is going to get better. I, I'm really worried about – their defense slipping, um, Gasol and Conley. But I agree with you. They're going to live and die with Conley and Gasol on offense as well. And those guys are going to have to put up big numbers. And Gasol's really going to have to lead the charge there and and just go, you know, he's going to he's going to have to be 24 to 26 a game, I think, for them to make the playoffs. And I, so I just don't see it. I don't see a, a path to that. Uh, hey, should we get someone to, to ask us a video question? Yeah, well, we can try that. Um, you know, you guys know how to do a video question is the next question. Um, it says, I think what you, you do is you raise your hand and you can say, uh, and maybe I'll get an answer from Eric and figure this out, but there should be a way. And we have a bunch of people in this little chat right now. Uh, so if you uh, want to become a, a user video camera or even audio alone, you can do that. We have Vinny and Josh and Michael and uh Pixels is in here. We got a lot of people in here uh, who can ask a question, Jeremy and Kyle. So uh, if you want to join us um, by by uh, raising your hand, I think might be the way you do it. Um, so Tommy looks like he's got a question. The only question I think we need to do is we're going to make sure that he's got a uh, uh, a good question to ask. So Eric, are you going to be able to uh, to uh, ask him before we join? Eric's our producer in the behind the scenes. So let me know. Um, if they can click in, we're, we're you know this is live. We're just figuring it out, and if this works out really well, we'll do, we'll keep doing this. So, uh, should we, hey, what do you think, Dave? Should we just try it and like put somebody in here and yeah, see what, how it works? We're trusting you. Oh, I'm, I'm supposed to tell him to click on the podium. Um, oh, and here we go. Here comes Tommy. So, I think Tommy must have been vetted. And now he's coming in, uh, and we're going to see how this works. So, he is being broadcast. Tommy, are you there? Oh, well, let's see here. Let's give him a second to join in here. It looks like it might be a little bit uh, slow to join. Um, Live internet. Should we answer another question here. Sure. Yes. Live on live internet, live TV. Hmm. Oh, maybe here he comes. Three, oh, two, got, one. This Vinny. is exciting. We have Vinny. My cousin Vinny. <laughs> what's up, hey, Vinny? What's happening, Vinny? How's it going? I'm doing well, guys. You guys are doing some great work. Um, I very much appreciate the work you guys do, especially me. I'm a Nick fan, and I've been going through hell and pain and misery and seeing what Tommy did for. The triangles, uh, talking about the triangle, things like that, is just great to see that. So um, I guess this is my segue. Um, well, I hope you guys are watching a little bit of the Knicks. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to ask you guys, um, what do you guys think of, you know, as far as their, their, playing, their play going forward defensively? And um, as far as KP's development, what, um, what will he have to do theoretically in order for the Knicks to go to that next step where if they don't receive, if they don't get the point guard that they need, like what will make that team go from a bitter bottom to at least an eighth seed? And that's just me being an enthusiastic Knicks fan, fingers crossed. 
All right. Thank well, you, guys. All right. Yeah, Vinny, thanks yeah, for your question. It. Nick, go first. Yeah. Oh, geez. Well, here's the problem is we've had, um, you know, a few questions in there. Uh, the KP thing, right? He asked if, uh, what, what KP needs to do to become um, more, uh, to develop more. Is that the idea? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, obviously they got to play him in the right position. You know, they got to play him more at the five so he can just sort of get that experience of uh, playing there and getting those wide open threes as he's bringing up the, the, as a trailing. Uh, but he's still got to be able to guy who gets post-ups and they run stuff where they, where they run pin downs and then they can catch the ball in the wing and then hit him off of that action. So I have to, I will admit, I haven't had a chance to see the Knicks yet this year. Have you, Dave? Uh, yeah, I watched them uh, against against the Thunder in the first game, and I haven't watched them since. Um, like, no, no offense, but uh, it's not easy to watch. And you know, I, I'm gonna I'll go to the defense part. Um, you know, okay. I think I think Porzingis really needs to play the five. I, I think that's that's where his future is. And uh, if they're not gonna play Willie Hernan Gomez, they might as well just go ahead and move KP to the five. And and he's probably their best rim protector. Um, I think it starts there. Go ahead and throw Nilakina out there. Let's see what he can do defensively. Yeah. And and just hope and pray that Courtney Lee is going to, you know, hold up even though he's getting old and uh Lance Thomas. It's just it's not a good roster. It is is the the main problem, right? Like it's just not a good roster. Uh, but KP has looked pretty good offensively. If he can keep this up, I mean, you know, maybe they could be I don't know, the fifth worst team in the East. Right. Yeah. You know, another problem I think is, is that Rambus is still there and he's in charge of the defense. And I've just never, ever been impressed with his coaching of the defense. Um, and so I don't know if that's ever going to make a, you know, make a plus thing for them with him there. I hate to say it, but that, that's what it sort of feels like until they can, they can just change that, that uh, the head of the snake there. Um, they're going to probably end up struggling there. Cause I don't know that Hornacek really has a grasp on that either uh, on how to kind of build that from scratch. Uh, like other guys we've seen like Mike, Mike Malone. Um, and then certainly, you know, even like um, uh, with the Warriors, um, Oh my goodness. Uh, um, Ron Adams, you know, those kind of coaches who really know defense. So that's the question uh, is whether or not they can handle that. So what were, were there any other questions that Vinny asks, uh, asked among all those Knicks things? Um, no, I think that, I think that covered it. I mean, honestly, like his question about making the eighth seed, I, that's the roster. I mean, it, you just need more talent. Uh, the, the, the Noah contract is an albatross. Um, a canter at least is a talented player. Cal, a canter can, can get on the court and do some stuff. I mean, he's a backup, but he can do some stuff. Right. So at least you've got, Not, well, yeah, but he looked pretty, he looked terrible on both ends of the court against OKC, but you know what? That could have been emotional stuff too. Sure. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't you know, he was hyped up and whatever. He's also just, so, not, he's have, not that good. Uh, right. He isn't. We do have another question up on the board right now that right now from Michael who asks, what did you think of Embiid and Simmons chemistry tonight? Pick and roll specifically. I mean, I, I did see some of it the other game where they had some nice chemistry where he was, I think they, uh, they, they set a pick and roll, uh, Embiid set the ball screen, uh, deep penetration by Simmons who just like threw a pass way back behind him, uh, to Embiid for a three. Of course it was an air ball that, uh, Simmons put back in, but it looks like there's something there. what did you see tonight? Um, you know, they, I thought that they did a pretty good job of working together. You could see the two man game starting to develop. I, I also like what Simmons is doing with Sarich. I, I talked a little bit about that on Twitter. Um, overall, man, no, and this is Jeremy's question, not Michael's. There's a little bit of a glitch oh, in who's coming up here. I got you. It's Jeremy's question, so okay. I want to make sure we give him some love. So thank you. 
Okay, I can go on. Yeah, so, um, but I, I like what they're doing with, I, I like the ball in Simmons' hands, and I think that that's, that's going to be good for them going forward. I mean, obviously he had a triple-double tonight and uh, looked fantastic. And uh, Embiid was, I mean, <sighs> Embiid is just so dominant when he's on the court. If he can stay on the court, they could really do some things. But uh, those two guys together are good. I mean, it's two really talented guys, and they're going to figure out how to play together. I, I've, I've heard some people say that they're worried about some of the attitude stuff. Um, you know, personality clash and stuff like that. But as of right now, it's not affecting them when they're playing together on the court. They look good. Absolutely. Uh, and I think we should expect a lot from them this year. I mean, as long as we can get enough Embiid, uh, like we need more Kyle Bell, we need more Embiid. Uh, but again, the, the problem is he's never going to play a back-to-back. Has anyone counted up how many back-to-backs there are? There's probably what, like On their 10? schedule? I don't know. Yeah, 15. So that's there. There you go. That's that's already what. Let's just pretend it's fifteen. That's six. That's uh, what seventy. That's sixty-seven game. Right. So now we're already getting that almost at sixty game plateau anyway, just by virtue of that. So that's a bummer. Right. But hey, uh, by the way, I've got some breaking news right in the middle of our podcast. The Phoenix Suns <laughs> defeated the Sacramento Kings tonight. So uh, they're not wow. going to go out Bledsoe. They're not going to go zero and eighty-two. Yes, uh, I would have bet that they would not have done that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but still, you know, it was it, it was looking that way. They won by two. Again, uh, they were at least at home. And by, I'm going to check the box score really quickly. But as far as yeah, we know, yeah, no Bledsoe. Yeah, no Bledsoe. Bledsoe tweeted from home. Wow. During yeah. the game. Yeah. Um, so. And now, you know, we got to take the task ESPN for autoplay videos. It just freaked me out for a second, but uh, you didn't hear that, luckily. Um, okay, so, so uh, we, have, oh, we have a question here. We have a question from, um, well, the question really is, what's Brandon, Brandon Ingram's ceiling? And I will tell you, that's from Josh Ackman, who has that's a really good question. Uh, I've been watching a little bit of the Lakers uh, this season so far. It's been hit or miss with him. But what do you think his ceiling is, Dave? Uh I don't know. I, he's so hard to read. You know, um, he'll do everything right, and then he'll take a shot, and it just won't go in. Um, at a certain point, you're going to have to call him a non-shooter. And since he's kind of a non-a lot of things, at a certain point, you have to start start wondering what his what his ceiling, you know, what his potential is. What is he going to be in the NBA? Um, it's only year two, so I'm not I'm not too too concerned, but. I don't know. It just doesn't look like it doesn't look like he's going to be this franchise changing superstar that that they expected when they drafted him. I mean, the, the Kevin Durant comparisons, needless to say, uh, were a bit ridiculous. Um, it's yeah, I, especially because I guess what well, the argument is that Durant was already farther along than he was at this point at this age. Right. That, that's is that the argument? Uh, yeah. Durant Durant came in the league, you know, scoring 20 a game. So um yeah. shooting like shooting is just it's so funny that there are so few guys that that come in shooting from day one i mean durant was one of them right um and, and the idea was that ingram was going to be shooting from day one that was what everyone said well you know he, he he should be able to shoot right away it's just not happening he's just not able to do it and, no. and you know i i don't like what i'm hearing this is going to be a bigger lakers kind of comment but i don't like the things that i'm hearing coming from Ingram on what the coaching staff and the player development staff is kind of coaching him to do. They're coaching him to take these pull up, you know, mid range jump shots, whether they're open or not. All right. He, I mean, 
they asked someone asked him the other night, you know, if he was going to if he was going to keep taking these types of shots. And he's like, yeah, that's what they're coaching me to do. So I, I don't love that. I, I think that, you know, when you put that kind of pressure on a young player, they're going to go one way or the other. They're either going to thrive or they're going to fail. And he's failing at it. So now you got to figure out a way, run some offense for him so that he has open mm-hmm. looks like let's start there. Let's start with hitting the open shots. Like, can he hit an open corner three? Because I haven't seen it yet. Um, so I, I would just simplify things for him. And, and losing D'Angelo Russell is going to hurt his development because D'Angelo Russell can be a number one guy while he was developing. Mm-hmm. And now you don't have that. Now you need Ingram to be their their top guy. Right. And a quick look at the three games he's played. He's playing about 31 minutes a game. And it's interesting that he's still he's shooting below 40 percent, which is what he was at that last year. And the only reason why he's scoring a lot, a few more points this year is because he's playing more minutes and getting more shots because he did the same percentage. Uh, he is shooting 50 percent from three on incredibly low volume, which is kind of speaks again to your point about him taking these long twos. Um, you know, yeah, he should be up to at least four threes a game attempted. I would Minimum. imagine at least. Minimum. Minimum. And yeah. so he, yeah, I would agree that he's got to get beyond there. Now, I don't really know if I love his um, his his mechanics. So I don't know if that necessarily means um, that that's going to be a thing where um, he's going to he will be able to shoot a high volume of threes at a, at a good percentage. We got to find that out. Um, I don't know if I like the, the, the fluidity and the rhythm of the shot. But, um, you know, I don't know. But to get to answer that point also about, about like what his ceiling is, it's like I, I don't, I'm not willing to throw it out just yet. I'm still willing to see how he does this year. And if he could finish, if he could get to like 43, 44 percent field goal percentage, I would feel a lot better. If he hovers again at around that 40 again for the second year in a row, then 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 I might be more in, in your camp. Yeah. Basketball needs something that's like the Mendoza line. It, it wouldn't be 40 percent. It'd probably be like 35 percent shooting. Um, it, it's, uh, still, if, if you're supposed to be a scorer and a shooter and you, and you shoot below 40%, that's problematic. And, and again, I'm starting to question the player development staff and the coaching staff because it's on them. I mean, if, if he's playing the way that they want him to play, like that's completely on them. You know, there's a dirty little rumor out there about the X's and O's, uh, of the Lakers, uh, that perhaps the staff isn't, um, that's not their strongest suits, I suppose, is what I sort of I buzzed around out there a little bit the other day when we were talking about it. And I don't know, you know, because, again, Luke was on the staff and with the Warriors, so he must have learned a lot if he didn't know a lot about that beforehand, because certainly the X's and O's of the Warriors is top notch. Uh, but, you know, you know, it might be worth taking a deep dive for me just in the Lakers offense to see what they're running, because. Uh, I am kind of curious to see how that works, uh, you know, what, what they are doing, because that might be part of it. They're not having the same. Because remember, you know, you could run the Warriors offense to, to the T and certainly and it's not even scoring points a game, depending on your talent level. But you can see it and you know, you, you, you would generate good shots in theory if you have, you know, five pros out there in the NBA doing it. Um, so that's the question we got to look at. But that's that's interesting. That might be out there in the background somewhere, which kind of reminds me of the fact that we have to deal with the fact that Earl Watson just got fired as well. In a, was that a surprise to you? No. I mean, the only surprise okay. is that he made it through last season, to be honest with you. I mean, he just didn't yeah. show anything like that he was a good coach. But, uh, you know, I talked about this a little bit before. It's, it's a dysfunctional organization. And so if you have a dysfunctional organization, you hire a coach that's not very good, and you've got all these young guys, like, what the hell do you expect? Like, they, they shouldn't have known anything. The only thing they knew after three games in the season that they didn't know going into training camp was with the, that the team had quit on him. 
That's the only thing they didn't know. They were going to be bad. Right. They had the same coach. You, you knew what you were going to get. They had the same player development. And what I will say is they cleaned house. I mean, they they fired the player development staff. They fired another assistant. I mean, they really did clean house. Um, but it, I don't know, man. It, it's a mess. And and you know they they've promoted Jay Triano um, to uh, at least the interim coach. It's early enough in the season that maybe if you brought in a new guy, like you might get some development done, but you got to do it like ASAP. You can't you can't pussyfoot around and wait till midseason or what they'll probably do is carry this into the summer. Um, I don't know, man. It's a rudderless organization and it has no direction. And I, I don't blame Bledsoe for wanting out. And uh, maybe Earl Watson can get on someone's staff as an assistant because from from everything we heard, the players loved him. To a certain point, huh. I don't know what changed. I don't know what triggered, you know, this change in attitude. But something happened, and uh, Bledsoe and and Earl Watson were, uh, you know, from everything I've heard, were close. So I yeah. don't, I don't, I don't know what's happened there. I'm sure that we will start to hear, you know, murmurs. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll start coming out. Hey, you're not too far from Phoenix. Maybe you should get up there and. Uh, Hey, uh, I made the offer. I made the offer on on Twitter. I am available for any player development, or uh, if you you know if you need me to sit on the bench, whatever. Um, I wear a suit well, and I can hold a clipboard. So you know, that seems to be the only requirements mm-hmm. to be head coach of the Phoenix Suns. So you know, hook me up. Well. We have another question coming in here. Remember, you can ask a question, either text or audio or video, if you have your camera or your, even your mic on, and you can come in here. Just We had Vinny in here the other, uh, not long ago. That was fun. Um, so uh, join us that way. And if you're watching on Periscope, you know, check my timeline. I have some links up there to join this uh, shindig, and you can uh, join us as well. So uh, Michael has a good question for us. With, with, Blake's Griff- with Blake Griffin's improved percentages from the free throw line and behind the arc, have you noticed any significant changes in his shooting form and can he sustain it? Dave. Yeah. Huge differences. Um, first of all, you know, he's, he's turned his feet. I still think he could turn his feet a little bit more uh, and see a little bit more improvement. Um, but that was, that's one of the big changes from when he first came in the league. He's also, he's not shooting the ball as late in, in his right. motion. So he used to shoot a lot on the way down and now he's at least closer to being, at the optimal time on the, you know, you want to do it on the way up when you're almost at the top, not at the top. And someone had taught him at the top. And for him that related, that basically meant on the way down, which causes you to use your arm a lot more. And you wind up with this flat shot. And that's why his shot was well, always by so the way, flat. Let me for one second. I, Cause I think, I think him shooting on the way up like that, it, he's convinced cause he is so strong that the ball will go over the backboard. Right. And so the way he wanted to mitigate that would be to hang in the air for a second to control that power. But then you're ironically, you're actually having used more of your arm. And so um, that's an interesting thing as well. So that is what left. It seems to be more rhythm there. Here's the thing. I'm not sure anyone's really noticed this because I'm just checking. He's shooting five and a half threes a game, which is like five times more than he, or, you know, three and a half times more than he normally does. And he's shooting 55% from back there. Now there's absolutely no way to sustain that. There's no way, but you know, even if he drops down to 15 points, he's an elite three point shooter on high volume. Um, if, but here's the thing, this happened last year. If my memory serves, he was hopping into some shots and it was really flow and it looked really great. And then as the year went on and injuries or whatever, he went back to his old way um and and that could very well happen and so i'm not sold that he can sustain it anyway but we do see some good changes now and man uh how tough are the clippers going to be yeah i'm with you i think we need to see it 
uh, longer, obviously, to know it's not a fluke. But the mechanics look good. Um, I mean, obviously, he's he's done as good a job as anyone I can remember improving his free throws. I mean, he, he when he came in the league, he was like around 50%, and now he's in the 70s, and, and that's just huge. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a believer. I think I think Blake, he definitely works hard. Um, so, it, and it shows, you know, he, he works really, really hard. You can tell. And, uh, yeah, his, his shooting, I think he should be commended a little bit more for that. I know we hammer him because of his footwork and his reliance just on his athleticism. But he really has worked hard on shooting, which is one of the hardest things to to improve on in the NBA. So um, we had a question from Constantine earlier in, in the chat, and he asked if we thought the the there it is was Steph's punishment too light or too heavy from the NBA. And, you know, I mean, we're going to call this what mouthpiece gate, right? The referee definitely went back into the left uh, after being struck by the <laughs> mouthpiece. So uh, what do you think, Nick? You know, um, I have to admit, I have to admit, I didn't see it, uh, so I don't know exactly where I only read about it, and perhaps, uh, but fifty k sounds uh, about right. I mean, I think the the only worry I think that the NBA tends to have is when it hits somebody that stands and they get a fan gets hurt or something like that, right? That's which is probably why you want to make sure that nobody ever tries to do any of that kind of stuff anyway. So, so yeah, I mean, it's probably a little bit light, I suppose. Although I, I have to look at the number of the fines because it would a hundred grand be end, like end up being the all time highest, you know, or whatever, one of the highest ever. Like, I don't even know now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's problematic. I think he needs to not do this again. I mean, this should be the last time, right? It's pretty childish to do. Um, it's sort of like yeah. if you bump a ref or you push a ref or whatever, like it's just inexcusable. Um, and it, it, it sets a bad example. Uh, not, not that I'm one of these people that, that, you know, Hey, what about the kids? But at the same time, it's like, you know, you are the most popular athlete among children (laughs) in the NBA. So maybe don't throw your mouthpiece. Um, my wife is really pumped because lots of kids now wear mouthpieces because of Steph Curry, my, my wife being a dentist, right? Like she's very excited about the fact that he wears a mouthpiece. So don't ruin it, Steph, if you're listening, probably not. But, um, I, I think from the league perspective, I never want guys to get suspended, uh, but I think this should have been a one-game suspension. Interesting. Now, I, I, by the way, through through luck of the technology, I actually just saw the play. So, um, yeah, he threw it hard. He was out of control at that point, and I think that was indicative of the whole game. They were all off, and you know, it's rare. I think it, once every ten or twelve games, Steph Curry is off. He throws well, the ball away all the time. Things bother him. What's that? He, he was the only one that was on in that game, and and he, you know. Um, so far this season, he has been officiated really tight. Uh, he's not getting away with any sort of reach-ins at all. And uh, I think he was yeah. just a little bit frustrated because he had been whistled for a, a foul with, with the same amount of contact that he received on that play, and they didn't call it. So, you know, again, there's still no excuse. You got thrown out of the game at the end of the game. I mean, I guess the game was basically over. It was like 40 seconds left. But you just – adults don't do that i'm sorry man like uh, adults uh, you don't grab something and throw it just because you're pissed off like i i I can't do that you know like if i if i'm at the grocery store and someone bumps into me and i you know throw a jug of milk (laughs) and i hit someone like what happens right like it's a disaster so uh you know yeah 
Yeah, and, and it's very rare. And perhaps that was sort of the goodwill he's built up because it almost never happens where he's that, uh, you know, out of control, yelling at the ref and he followed him, you know, toward the, uh, the scorer's table. So uh, not a good look at all. And, um, you know, but so 50K, I suppose. But all right. So the, but you're right. The question is, should he have been suspended for a game? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I Maybe. think I think so. And I, I think so. I, I can follow that. I won't, I won't argue for that one. So, um, okay. We have another question here from Kyle asks, is D Wade's numbers proving he's washed up? Last I saw his year over year performance is death spiraling. Can he turn it around? If so, how, well, if you happen to miss the video I did on this, uh, I did a breakdown and we showed all the issues that were happening, uh, with him, um, and where he was at at the moment before the season started. And it seems like those are all coming true and without, uh, without question, he is a shell of his former self, which doesn't mean he can't be effective, but, you know, he actually remember like, oh, so Dave, do you want to toot your own horn on this one? No, you can toot my horn the for bench. me. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not even sure you did it on my show. No, I did On this show. No, James did it on your show. James, oh, James did, it on, did it on my show. James okay, did, I did it on the B-Ball Breakdown podcast. Is I this did my it. show? This is your show. Is it, is it our show? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Where are we right now? We're on the B-Ball Breakdown show. <laughs> okay. Welcome to B-Ball Breakdown. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, no, James predicted it on on with you, and I did it on a different podcast. But we were all kind of saying the same thing, that there was a wink-wink yeah. deal when Wade came over that he would start, and then they would eventually just change it and make it seem like it was Wade's idea. Right. Yes, so that, that sounded reasonable. And by the way, who knows? Maybe it kind of was Wade's idea. It's sort of, uh, I mean, Tyron Lue just sort of sitting there in his office, you know, <laughs> playing with something on his desk until Wade walked in. But, uh, I mean, if you want to look at the numbers, I mean, is everyone aware of what he's doing? I mean, three games, 23.7 minutes per game. He's shooting 28%. He's scoring 5.7 points. Uh, you know, that's that's a problem. Yep. It's not good. I mean, again, he, coming off the bench, I, I think that you could utilize him in more creative ways. And, uh, and yeah. again, I, I think Manu Ginobili is, is who he should try to be. Yeah. And it's not like he's, you know, playing too many minutes as it is now. He's only playing – he's playing the minutes we thought he should play, the 23 minutes off the bench. So we'll see if that does anything going against the second unit or whatever, I suppose. But um, – but let's see here. Should we go to um, – I think we should go to Periscope and grab a couple questions here before we wrap up. What do you think? Yeah. Let's see. All right. Um, well, let's go through here and see what we have here because uh, we still have people here with us. Um, I don't know. Thoughts on uh, – let's see here. Thank you, Bosa Nostra, for giving us a little love here. Uh, let's see. Where are you ranking Ben Simmons amongst guys who are 18 to 23 years old? Hmm. It's a little uh, tough because who's the 23-year-olds? Yeah, and also it's early. Let, let me let me see. Like, ask me in the middle of the season. That's a good yeah. question. Uh, all right, let's see. Let's see. But he's up there. He's got to be top five, right? He looks great. Those guys top. Yeah, yeah. So he's up there. Um, and it, let's see another question here. Should the Lakers trade Julius Randle? And not only should they. This is Jay Cajold twenty four asking this. Not only should they trade him. I think that they're they're just playing him now to showcase him for a trade. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. I think they, again, they should have traded him during the summer, um, especially once they saw what they had in, in Kyle Kuzma, who's not shooting the ball enough. And uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
All right. Good. Free I mean, he's, not, summer, he's just not right? a fit. And yeah. by the way, he's not a fit, um, you know, I think uh, in the culture as well. I don't think he he doesn't play the way they want him to play. Uh, and I don't think he ever will. So that's going to be a problem. Now, which says, I don't know what team he does play that fits, but not the Lakers, not the way they're doing it now. Yeah. Any other, any other question? One more before we... Uh... Any thoughts on KD's uh, rim protection? This is from JK24Tribe. Uh, thoughts on KD's rim protection? He has seven blocks Friday night. I mean, you and I have talked about this basically since the start of last season, that they've the, the Warriors have really unlocked that part of KD's game by letting him play so much weak side, be the helper, coming across the lane especially. And, uh, you know, he's so long. I mean, he's seven feet tall. I think I think it's easy to forget that because he plays like a guard, but man, he's seven feet right. tall, and and we we love his rim protection. We think he's fantastic. At least I do. I, I think I speak for you there. Yeah, I mean, I love it in the sense that um, uh, you know he he can make up for things. He's so long and he's so explosive that like he can cover, he can get beat and then still recover, like just like Giannis does. Those are the two guys that can do that really really well. And he's a legit, I mean, like I, I got a chance to say hello to him uh, at, at Warriors training camp. And like, you're looking up at that guy. I mean, he is, he's legit. You know, there's only a, sometimes they lie about their height, right? And you're like, eh, it's not really what they are. But like, I mean, Tyson Chandler is a guy who's probably taller than he's listed at. I mean, that guy, like I had hurt my neck to look at him. And, and Durant was like, you know, the same thing. I mean, he's taller than Boogie. And we know Boogie is probably what, like 6'10 and a half, right? 6'11. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so it's, so he's terrific. I mean, we, what he does and what they do when you put Jordan Bell and him and, and uh, Draymond out there and it's, uh, you know, you're not getting the rim that easy in scoring. It just ask your, your boy, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, anyhow, well, listen, Dave, this was a great conversation. We had a, we had a video call. We had lots of uh, questions in here. Um, we see some questions about the, uh, what happened in Minnesota, which I didn't see. I'm assuming it's from tonight. There was some sort of a, controversy did you see the end of the game oh no it was last night the the wiggins game winner oh yeah okay I'm, so I'm there, was a, there was a screen i was okay with the screen i i didn't think it was illegal but then again i i'm pretty lax on calling illegal screens i think uh you know if you stick your knee out that's a problem but if you know i don't know it, it's to me it looked fine it just looked awkward okay I think, because of the angle from the camera angle you should watch it dick and let me know what you think okay we'll have, we'll have something to talk about for the next show there you go. All right. Well, great stuff, guys. I'm really excited about this and uh, unclear how we're going to end this show exactly, but um, we'll just press some buttons and see what happens. But we'll do our sign off. So great stuff. Love the questions. Love how we have people come in here. We'll do this again. and You guys can try it again. Thanks to Eric out there who's doing the moderating for this. And uh, Dave, thank you for coming on the show again, as always. Um, and don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, got a channel for a conversation. You win. Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am. <laughs>